Hello, and welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter-by-chapter read of The Lord of the Rings. My name is Anna. And my name is Ellen. And in today's episode, we are discussing Book 6, Chapter 6, Many Partings, Exploring Awareness in Community. All right, we are now at the point of the book that did not make it into the director's cut of the movie here, the, th- the theatrical release, if you will. And so from all of the different vignettes we get in this chapter, and it's many, is there one specifically that you wish would have made it into that final theatrical cut? Well, as we'll discuss in some of my talking with Tolkien, some of my favorite exchanges are Saruman being put in his place. <laughs> Yes. And I really wish we could have seen like a bedraggled Saruman post-destruction of of his way of life, of his conception of the world, and to find him alongside the road and just have these like spicy exchanges about how he is not as important as he think he he is. And so I really (laughs) vibed with that and thought that would be a fun movie addition. That's so true. They don't even give us the opportunity. They just say, and he's dead. Right. That's right. I wonder if they think that the movie audience couldn't handle the unwrapped up ending of perhaps ending that second movie without Saruman being truly vanquished in death and just being like stuck in the tower. If that would have been unsatisfying. If they thought that would have been unsatisfying for a a movie audience. Right. I, I'm not quite sure. And I, I do foresee now that we've seen how The Hobbit kind of came to film, that there would be risk as well of too many like spinoffs or needs to revisit or additional mm-hmm. information provided by way of the film series that I could see as a director wanting to really kind of shut the door on that. But who knows? Who knows? <laughs> who knows? Um, but what we should call out is that really funny YouTube video of Saruman dying for like five minutes, mm, where it's mm-hmm. him laughing like the ha 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 Uh, that would make sense. That sounds like something we would chat about. (laughs) Early YouTube Lord of the Rings. (laughs) It was, it was a time, it was a moment. I miss it dearly. (laughs) Yes, yes we do. And since we are perhaps duplicating a story that we're telling, let's, let's dive into a new story. What story did you bring for us today, Anna, to tie today's theme into a real world example? Well, it's kind of a short, kind of a short little snippet short little dive into um, awareness. But, uh, you know, I think to lay the groundwork, right, is that most of my life I've been characterized as a worrier and an overthinker. I'm not sure if that's coming through on the podcast clearly enough. It's coming through. (laughs) So I just want (laughs) to just want to name that. So that was something that I just thought was like part of my person. I seem to kind of operate at a different speed for worry than others did and it just was like a part of me but I didn't ever really put a lot of thought to it I didn't put a lot of you know ascribe a lot of terms to that it was just this is part of who I am and it seems to sometimes clash with the way that others like process information or the way that folks want to kind of move through the world so 
Cut to, I'm in a book club discussion, um, because when am I not? And so uh, a woman is speaking about the way she processes information and describes all of these things that sound like how my brain works, like really kind of marinating on things longer than a lot of people, really trying to work through all of these different like avenues to a degree that's frustrating for others. And she ascribes this to her anxiety. And I interrupted her to say, because I was like, is that what anxiety is? I think I have that. And she, and then I had to like apologize. And she was like, no, 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 that's totally okay. That's, that is how I experience anxiety. So like, if that's your experience as well, that might be something you have. And this was such a turning point in my self-awareness. And it really allowed me to kind of think differently about interactions that I was having with others. Like, why was I feeling such a heightened level of like, not quite panic, but like stress in a way that others didn't seem to be feeling. And then maybe not a full year later, I was pretty regularly feeling overwhelmed um, and like angry and like really just kind of spun up all the time. And my mental health obviously was had taken a pretty noticeable decline. And so folks who were kind of close to me made this observation. Um, and I had two different people kind of outreach and say like, you know, it seems like you're kind of really struggling with some things. Might you consider therapy as as a way to process and as a support system. And I don't think that if I hadn't had that first moment of awareness of like, oh, maybe I have anxiety, maybe I should like talk to somebody about that. I don't think I would have been in a position to receive some of the support I was getting from my community about pursuing therapy as as a support system. So my self-awareness in that moment like allowed me to accept that help. Um, and it also, I think, provided an opportunity to appreciate how my community was aware of like, yes, this is kind of who Anna is, but also who she's been lately is a different level, a different tier. And so they could have some awareness as well about when my normal wasn't showing up in the ways that they expected it to. So kind of a double blind awareness there on the on the whole situation, which was ultimately led me to pursuing therapy and and managing my anxiety in a much more healthful way. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to go about addressing a problem that you're not consciously aware of. Right. And so I, I can see that that would be a, a real light shining moment of like, oh, this is this is a thing that other people have too. And there are ways to address it. And there are ways to address it. And that the, the the way I kind of thought about myself as just being like a high performer, but also like always feeling like I was kind of teetering on that edge of like, oh my God, I'm way overthinking this. Why is no one else panicked about this? Why is no one else like, I thought something was wrong with me, but I was just kind of managing it. And because I was a high performer, no one really like needed to see it so clearly needed didn't really see a problem with the way that that was manifesting but I felt really exhausted and so to have someone else like recognize that and be like oh no that's totally how I experienced the world too and it's called this and I was like oh oh (laughs) thank you (laughs) what a relief to know that that's not just something like broken in me but like that's actually part of a strength that I have and that I have to be mindful about like when it's enacted and how heavily I rely or draw on that energy as opposed to to doing other things. Yeah, it was a it was a big awareness moment for me. Well, thank you for for bringing that story. I think a lot of people are going to have similar 
experiences or at least have that sort of light bulb moment resonate with them and uh, in their lives. So thanks for, thank you for bringing that. Absolutely. And I think we see some of those like reciprocal moments in this chapter as well, um, as far as like who's aware of what or who's being mindful of what for, um, for many of our protagonists. But before we can really dive into examples of the theme, we have to get clear on what happened. So Ellen, would you walk us through the events of the chapter? I will. And I, I had to read through this one thrice to fully Ooh. grasp on when everybody left the group. Yes. <laughs> I was like, wait, who's still here at this point? Raise your hand if you're if you're still here or did you already leave? It was a little one, two, three eyes on one, me. Two, three like, eyes on me. <laughs> count off with it in a buddy system. Who's who's still in the group? Um, right. But I think I got it now, so I'll I'll walk us through it. We begin the chapter in Gondor and Frodo comes to Aragorn and Arwen and they all agree that it's it's time for Frodo to start heading home. And the, the big news here is that his parting gift from Arwen is that she gives Frodo her spot on the ship to the Undying Lands. Thank you, Arwen. The gift that keeps on giving, really. The gift that keeps on giving. I mean, that's no scented candle. That's a, that's a good gift. <laughs> and uh, shout out to that SNL <laughs> skit about the scented candle. So then they're waiting in Gondor for a week for Aomer to arrive. He shows up to collect Theoden. And then literally all of the named characters that we have met thus far travel with Aomer and Theoden back to Rohan at a very leisurely pace. They're just sort of hanging out. No hurry. No rush. We're taking a, you know, three week long camping trip. But fun. But fun this time, you but guys. But fun this time. We're taking our time. <laughs> Nobody's chasing us. We're, we like brought beds, I assume. You know, they've got a full t- two kings traveling with them. I imagine this is an opulent camping trip. You'd have to hope so. You'd have to hope so. You'd have to hope so. So they make it to Rohan and they have both the funeral, the funeral feast and surprise, the wedding just happens right there. They're like, and Aomer and Faramir, please stand up if you want to get married. Now's the time. We give Mary a horn, which I thought was sweet. That was his parting gift. And then Faramir, Aomer, and Eowyn stay in Rohan. Everybody else moves on to Helm's Deep. This is where Legolas gets to go visit the caves with Gimli. They make good on that that promise. We leave Helm's Deep and we go to Isengard and we get to see Treebeard. And Treebeard very casually says, yeah, actually, I just let Saruman out. I think that's fine. And Gandalf is like, it might be fine. And we don't really address it further. (laughs) And then from there... Legolas and Gimli depart. They go to Fangorn Forest to walk around, enjoy the trees, and go back to their respective homes. Next, we make it to the Gap of Rohan. This is the point where Aragorn and his crew depart. They're like, this is the end of Gondor. Uh, I'm going to head back. But Mary, you're still a guard. You're on leave. But you're, you're still, you know, with one of, one of us. And I'll see you guys later. This is the point where they overtake Saruman on the road. Wormtongue is there and Saruman is just like equal parts grouchy and menacing mm-hmm. and makes some sort of veiled threats against the hobbits and against the Shire. We continue on to the Dimral Stair and we sit there for a week to chat, hang out, 
after which Celeborn and Galadriel and their crew turn eastward and go to Lothlorien. Then we make it to Rivendell. It's the day before Bilbo's birthday. Perfect timing. Hang out for a while there. There's a lot of napping and eating, and it's very peaceful. And after some time, they then leave Rivendell, just the hobbits and Gandalf, and they head back to the Shire. But as they're leaving, Elrond says to Frodo, he sort of whispers in his ear that in one year, he and the elves will be with Bilbo in the woods of the Shire and to look for him. And that's the end of the chapter. The crowd dwindles. The crowd dwindles. Yeah, I think that you did a really nice job of keeping that organized because I too felt a little uncertain as to when and where others were going and whether that was like a little offshoot trip and they were going to join back up with the company or if it truly was like, nope, forever now. Like, see you when we see you. Have a great summer. And then that was it. Yes. Galadriel and Celeborn, we know, are just going to Lothlorien for a minute because then they're going to, in a year's time, they are also going to be heading to the Undying Lands with Elrond um, and the rings are going to pass out of out of Middle-earth. And they sort of hint at it. I assume that's what they're discussing while they sit for a week and have their like nighttime mind link chats where they don't actually <laughs> speak out loud. <laughs> I think that's what they're sorting out. It's like, when and where are we going to make our graceful exit? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. It's a lot going on. (laughs) It's a lot. And so I'm wondering if there were a lot of examples, if there were not a lot of examples. You know, where, where did you see the theme of awareness within this dwindling company over the course of the chapter? You know, I will, because when we chatted about this theme, you and I were both a little nervous Mm -hmm. that perhaps there would not be many, but I did find some that are both uh, awareness and lack of awareness. Pippin the lack of awareness. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, Let's see. On page, my page, 311, first page of the chapter, Aragorn and Frodo are chatting. Frodo goes to talk to Aragorn, and Aragorn says... I know what you have come to say, Frodo. You wish to return to your home. Um, And so I think that to me was a moment of awareness that Aragorn kind of understands Frodo's interest and and his person enough to know that he's going to want to go home. Mm -hmm. And he wants to see Bilbo. And he wants to see Bilbo. He waited for this mystery wedding, which Aragorn could have just said, hey, please wait for the wedding. He didn't. And now that time has come and he wants to go see Bilbo. And then almost immediately after that, right, and as you noted in your summary of the chapter, on my page 312, Arwen gifts her spot on the boats to the Undying Lands to Frodo. And in her gifting that, she says, quote, If your hurts grieve you still and the memory of your burden is heavy, then you may pass into the West until all your wounds and weariness are healed. So, I liked this from Arwen that there's some awareness of the trauma that Frodo has endured and she's providing uh, both a resource and also is also doing it where Frodo can elect it on his own time, right? So I think there's a really lovely awareness from Arwen in this moment. Yeah, she, this is, this is the most thoughtful gift of the, of the chapter. I think it runs in the family. 
you know, Galadriel gave gave some good gifts, but Arwen has really, you know, two generations later, really, really honed that art of the gift giving. <laughs> she is a master hostess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so then on page three fourteen, and I don't. This is perhaps my most debatable example of the theme, but they're in Rohan, and they are. They're sort of celebrating and there's all of these rites and passages and, you know, sort of pomp and circumstance for Theoden's funeral. And uh, there is song, of course, because why wouldn't there be? And about the song, the chapter says, quote, But the words of the song brought a light to the eyes of the folk of the mark, as they heard again afar the thunder of the hooves of the north and the voice of Aeoral crying above the battle upon the field of the celebrant or celebrant. And so I think that's a, an interesting way of coming to awareness is to have sort of this, to have awareness evoked through song, right? So folks who weren't a part of this exact moment in time are still getting elements of it through narrative storytelling after the fact. Yeah, yeah, I see that. All right, and then I had on page 319... A little bit of a lack of awareness here, um, again, as you noted. And this is uh, Treebeard talking about allowing Saruman to go out into the world. Um, and he says, quote, And I saw that he heard it all, but I added a great many things to the news, and it was good for him to think of. He grew very weary. He always was hasty. That was his ruin. And so I feel like Treebeard, and, and Gandalf says this more or less to him, is like thinking that he's provided so much wisdom and mm-hmm. uh you know nuggets about the world and and Saruman's impact right that Saruman grew weary of him telling a story and and him always being like the bad guy basically it seemed to be that you know he feels bad about what he's done and so I let him go because he was weary of the of the conversation and Gandalf's like I feel like that's not what happened yeah I feel that <laughs> Saruman um Probably still has some, you know, powers left and maybe use them a little bit to wiggle his way out of this situation. Um, and it's really just Treebeard's sort of lack of awareness that uh, I think allows that to come to pass. I think, and we talked about that when we were back in the uh, Two Towers when we spent a lot of time with Treebeard, that he just doesn't have a lot of awareness. He's a little, he's a ditzy tree sometimes. And I I think Gandalf hits it more on the money here that perhaps Saruman played to Treebeard's love of freedom and not mm-hmm. wanting to cage any any living thing. There he goes. Well, and <laughs> Treebeard is also, I mean, in earnest, such a wholesome character, right? He's he doesn't understand greed or like power. Um, being wielded for one person's gain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I also don't think he just like, he doesn't have it in him to really understand the complexities of of Saruman's like very, I think you use the word menacing, like presence. And that he's always just like scraping by and, and doesn't have this like, He's not tied into a larger community. He doesn't care about these other people, right? Like, everything is about him and for him. 
And that's just so apart from the way that Treebeard operates when he's like, I have been here for forever Mm -hmm. and I am a part of a community that has, like, everybody has a part to play. And so I think that that also could be something that Saruman really weaponizes and and Treebeard just doesn't have a frame of reference to understand that. Yeah, he... He's a little lost here, and, you know, I, I'm excited for us to get to the, the point where we get to dive in more as to what Saruman was able to do after after being let out. Because, spoiler alert, we haven't seen the last of him. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly right. Um, And then, let's see here. So, I also had an example on page 325, and I think this is my last example for the chapter where i think he called it a mind link but there's sort of this like supernatural awareness that the company of caliborn and galadriel and elrond and gandalf all have this ability to communicate without talking and so while we don't get the exact like text or or theme of that communication we do get this view of outside looking in that you wouldn't know kind of what's going on or the the depth of communication that's happening. If you were just a passerby, it would look like, you know, what do they say? I think statues. Statues. Gray figures carved in stone, memorials of forgotten things now lost in unpeopled lands, for they did not move or speak with mouth. So I think that's just an interesting, like, if you had an awareness of what was being discussed in this group, right, you, you would better be able to appreciate maybe from the outside looking in what was happening. But without that, without that insider knowledge, this seems very benign. It seems very banal almost. And so I thought that was kind of an interesting juxtaposition. Is Celeborn, I wonder if he's actually a part of this. I'm looking at the text now. <laughs> I'm yes. like, is he just sitting there being like, I wonder what we're saying? Like, I wonder if it's, if it's a ring thing. And you need, like, one of the three rings to be able to do this mind link chat and Caliborn's just sitting there. He's such a goof in my mind. There is a meme, and I cannot think of, I cannot think of who the original poster was. But it's basically, if you ever feel useless, just remember that Galadriel had a husband. (laughs) Truly. Because he contributes so very little. Mm -hmm. Um to the entire equation so we can make this an awareness theme discussion when Celeborn is talking with Treebeard and Treebeard's like I don't think we're gonna meet again and Celeborn says I don't know and Galadriel's like I know not in Middle Earth nor until the lands that lie under the wave are lifted up again then in the willow meads of Tessarion may we meet in the spring farewell Mm -hmm. and she has the awareness she knows what's up and Celeborn's like I don't know (laughs) I don't know, maybe. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. <laughs> See you later, new friend. Yeah. And Galadriel's like, no. it. <sighs> this is when it will happen. <laughs> yeah, so I thought those were most of my examples. Let's see, there's maybe one, one more here. Oh, on page 329, it's Frodo and Bilbo chatting. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's too late now, and I really think it's much more comfortable to sit here and hear about it all, so sort of hearing about Frodo's adventures. The fire is very cozy here and the food's very good and there are elves when you want them. What more could you want? And I just liked this moment of like, he's not aware of 
I don't think the the sort of larger theme, and they, they make that kind of clear through this conversation with Frodo. But I liked this moment of him being really certain that, like, this is the space he wants to be because it's all good. You know, he's got his food, he's got his elves, and it's just a very cozy place. Elves when he wants um, them. Elves when he wants them. I've got <laughs> elves on demand, and I am feeling and great about food it. food is good. <laughs> very good. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's sweet that he has that moment of awareness of, oh, maybe Gandalf should have taken me around more when it was my turn to have an adventure. Actually, no, it's it's pretty comfy here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was my last example. Well, you found a lot more than I thought there would be as I was reading through it. So thank you for, for bringing those into today's chapter discussion. You are most welcome. Shall we take that to transition into our talking with Tolkien? Uh, heck yeah, we should. Heck yeah. Did you have uh, quotes for today that you yes. really wanted to discuss? Yes, I have Please. two. Perfect. First one is on my page 284. <laughs> you might also have this one because you said it was about you had some quotes with the Saruman back and forth. Mm-hmm. And this is, Saruman is, had just taken the, the leaf from Mary, and he says, quote, Well, it will serve you right when you come home if you find things less good in the South Farthing than you would like. Long may your land be short of leaf. And then the part I liked is how Mary responds. Thank you, said Mary. In that case, I will have my pouch back, which is not yours and has journeyed far with me. Wrap the weed in a rag of your own. Right. <laughs> and I thought that was a funny little exchange where Mary's like, yes, I'm going to be so kind. I'm going to give you this. And oh, you're being mean and wishing ill upon me and my people. Thank you. Never mind. <laughs> I want my pouch back. Yeah. It's not yours. <laughs> it's not yours. Yeah, I like I like all of these exchanges. Yes. And then the last quote, the second quote that I had was about Bilbo in in Rivendell. Um and he quote spent most of his time now in his room except at meals. For those he was still very punctual as a rule and he seldom failed to wake up in time for them. <laughs> very punctual as a rule. <laughs> As a rule, four meals. Four meals. I will be there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And those were, this was such a fun, lighthearted chapter. I I couldn't help but look at the more lighthearted moments that we, we were given. I also liked his little, because Bilbo is such a socialite. Mm, yes. <laughs> and so I liked his little, I was invited to the wedding, of course, um, but I couldn't go. I've waited for it long Of course enough, I was of invited. Course. It was just, but there was just so much to do here. I loved that and felt that was so a, a perfect encapsulation of his character. Yes, that was funny. So my, my quotes are both the Saruman exchanges. Mm-hmm. So the first is Saruman just being, you know, like you said, grouchy from the road and being really just a a malcontent and (laughs) Galadriel responds to him in such a perfect way that I I loved this quote so quote Saruman said Galadriel we have other errands and other cares that seem to us more urgent than hunting for you (laughs) 
And I just, I could like see this so clearly in my mind's eye. Um, and for Saruman to be so directly put in his place was such a mm-hmm. wonderful moment. And for Galadriel to do She's it. She's like sitting up there on her horse, literally looking down on him. Right. And I, We've been I, busy. I will say <laughs> the Rings of Power series on Amazon Prime, I really did enjoy. And the the woman who plays Galadriel, mm-hmm. I thought was such a perfect casting. Yes. That for I pictured her saying these words in her like very clipped um and very precise way of speaking that I was like, oh, this would be such a good moment. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would be such a good moment. Ugh, we needed that. We needed that in the movie. We needed yes, that we definitely needed in the movie. Mm-hmm. And then the second is Gandalf's reminder to Treebeard that Saruman still can sort of cause havoc now that he's out and says, quote, I fancy he could do some mischief still in a small, mean way. Mm. And I just liked that description of sort of a small, mean way feels very, um, feels very clear, right? Like, it's not like he's not toppling empires. He's not, you know, whatever, but a small mean way can still be as impactful and can still cause problems. Mm-hmm. He's being petty. He's going to go around and cause some petty mm-hmm. mischief. And he's going to stir the pot. He's going to stir the pot. I'm like, let it, let it go. Mm-hmm. Go home. Mm-hmm. And those are my quotes. Those were great quotes. I hope we one day, I don't know, maybe they'll, they would never redo the movies, but if they did, I would, I would like them to keep, Saruman alive till the end like the book so that we can watch the whole thing play out okay so those are our quotes we've talked about the chapter and the examples and what is left is to hear what action item you have for us to strengthen our community and you know bring bring what we've discussed today out into the world so as i was thinking about awareness i was really thinking about and and as we've chatted today that sort of reciprocal awareness is really important right So you have to both be self-aware enough to kind of recognize your impact and influence on a situation, and as well as to have some awareness of the folks around you and and what they may be needing. So as I really percolated with that kind of theme, what came to mind was uh, an experience that I had um, when I was in college. Um, I got to know this like really fabulous teacher, um, Dr. Hazel Simonette, who ran a workshop is not the right word, but a group that was designed around student success and really trying to sort of radicalize the way that we could serve students more effectively on campus. We started every conversation, every meeting of the minds with what she called ABCG, which was awareness, breath, center, ground. And it usually goes like this. So you'd sit, it'd be kind of quiet, and you'd say, okay, awareness, what is like coming up for me right now? What's on my mind? What's kind of the noise of in my own head? Then you breathe, like really deep inhale, exhale, center. What's alive in you? Ground. What's enlivening your purpose and passion? And this was such a powerful exercise. Like it felt really awkward the first like 
I don't know how many times I did this, but however many Mm -hmm. times I did it, it felt very awkward at first. And as you started to do it more often, though, it really became a really powerful way to kind of think about, okay, I am a part of this greater whole of the work that I'm trying to do. And I need to have some awareness of like what I'm carrying into the room, center myself in, you know, what what's exciting to me and ground myself really like reach down those roots into why I'm here and and what the purpose and passion of this like project is. And so I would encourage you all to do this as well, especially as you get excited about things that you may be doing professionally or personally to just like really keep yourself honest to the work that you're trying to get done. So ABCG, awareness, breathe, center, ground. I think it's great to just also have that moment of pause, mm-hmm. especially in any any sort of heated or could be become heated situation, having that that awareness in the breath. To, to begin with, I feel like that will be very, very helpful in just checking in before saying the first thing that comes out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. Not that that has ever happened to me. I always remember to pause. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Or like um, the awareness piece is really helpful for me because like we talked about with anxiety, I'm coming in at like a, maybe a 10 about something. And I'm trying to like push and and get something done or resource something. And then I have to really take a moment and go, okay, Anna, you are really worried about this. But not everybody else is experiencing that same level of of worry. So like, let's like take a minute. What's the actual problem here? What are we trying to get done? So that 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 moment of pause is, is really important. And some awareness of like, I'm bringing something into the room that might characterize the way that things move forward. Mm-hmm. And might be different from what everybody else was bringing into the room. Exactly right. Well, thank you for that action item. I love uh, initialism. Mm-hmm. And I will be able to better remember this because ABCG. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Today's podcast was brought to you by Baldor the Hapless and his less notable brother, Aldor. Our music is by Robert Zahn and Simon Dom. If you have thoughts on today's episode or homework assignment, send us a voicemail or email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, and thank you for joining us today in fellowship. Was that you zipping on your um, in-fellowship sweater? Correct. (laughs) My recording sweater. Wow. That was a loud zipper sound. I wore this to work, like, just because it was cozy. It's very cozy. (laughs) And I didn't quite think about, like, how how clearly the the logo is is on my chest for a video call like Uh i would have assumed that it wouldn't be as easily distinguishable and my my boss is a pretty direct communicator so he's like what's that sweatshirt and i was like um thank you for asking (laughs) thank you that is what i said i said thank you so much for asking it's for my podcast Mm -hmm. and then he laughed for like a minute love it (laughs)